Well, it's that time of year, so I'm nowhere near Washington. I am back in Houston, Texas, visiting my family that lives around there. And guess what? A special treat for me. I get to go to No Label Brewery, the only brewery in my hometown and one of the oldest craft breweries in Texas, actually, I came to find out. For the next few weeks, I'll be in Texas interviewing my favorite breweries from when I was younger. Starting off strong here with No Label, one of my favorites. Next week will be St. Arnold's, and coming up after that will be Spindle Tap. And we'll see who else we can get in the mix before I go home. I'm the Cycling Certified Cicerone, and this is Washington Beer Talk. In Texas. We're at No Label Brewery right now. This is maybe my very first favorite brewery. I've got, I've got lots of favorite breweries, but this is the first one I ever decided was my favorite cool, brewery. Cool, very cool. Um, uh, so I'm from here, I'm from Katy, Texas, and to get here today, I drove from my parents' house on I-10, passed a bunch of pickup trucks, <laughs> came to the office, and they had Kalatias sitting on the table, <laughs> uh, which is just bringing me back. I listened to 94.5 The Buzz on the way here, yeah. and everything is just the way that it always was, yeah. except traffic is way worse. So who am I chatting with today? Well, I'm Jennifer Royo, uh, and I'm with No Label Brewery, and I'm one of the co-founders. All right. So you're one of the co-founders. Who are the other co-founders? So it's myself, um, I mean, myself and Brian, my husband. And then his parents were um, started it as well, Melanie and Gil. And since then, they've decided to retire and kind of just be grandparents. So they're really not involved anymore. And um, but we have we have during the last couple of years, we've we've had different uh, people come in and kind of be involved. So we have several other owners now as well as us. So it's 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 good. Okay, that's a lot of different. Uh, just characteristics to the brewery, so it's been it's been fun. So you kind of shared the load a little bit. Like it started off you and your husband Brian. You did the thing, and then what what was the catalyst for bringing on other people? Well, money. I mean, you need more invest, you know, more capital to buy more things that you would like to do. And uh, so we do have um, a couple of people that have come in. We've you know we have a few other investors that have been in from almost the beginning. Um, they, they sat on our board and some of them still sit on our board today. Then we have a couple of new people that have stepped in, uh, Tom Painter and, and Garrett Hart. Uh, he actually owns Hart Plumbing and he's a uh, huge beer, beer geeks and stuff. And so they're really excited about being a part of it. So most of my listeners are in Seattle. Okay. Um, sure. And, uh, so give them like, so can you maybe describe a little bit about, uh, talk a little bit about Katy, Texas, a little bit about sure. maybe why you chose to be out here or what you're, you know, maybe sure. you got some roots around here. So, um, I mean, obviously when we travel, we, we don't always tell people we're from Katy. Well, we'll say we're from Katy, but we're really 25 minutes from Houston because not everybody knows where Katie is. Um, but we, I grew up in North side of Houston and we met at university of Houston. Me and Brian did. And after we got married, we decided, um, he had grown up in Katie and Katie, when he grew up here, it was fields of, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't much out here. It was very country, um, but very, uh, suburbs. The schools are really good here. Um, a big reason why we decided to move out here because we've got kids. You know, it's it's very a tight knit little town, and we've gotten to know the mayor and you know a lot of the other city uh, city of Katy people that we work with closely. I joined the city of the Katy Rotary. I've been really involved in that, and um, I don't know. It's been good. I really enjoy Katy. You know, it's definitely opposite, different than Seattle. It's home. We we love it here. So. 
maybe I could describe to Seattle listeners that like if Katie is to Houston as like Woodenville is to Seattle, it's like just a, oh, okay, you know, so just a, so a sort like of a, a little... suburb. But this is but the thing, the difference with Katie is that it's a, a different small town, right? And you, there's kind of two halves of Katie. One is the old historical Katie where right. you guys are located, right? Correct. And then the other half is sort of the sprawling suburbs of Houston that have come to encompass it. Right, exactly. And we actually um, live in more newer Katy. The breweries here in older Katy. Um, but this this area is really cool because they are like, we have our regulars. We have people that come out all the time and they all live like around here. And they all eat, breathe, and sleep football. And um, so it's like, you know, it's just like Friday Night Lights out here because if there's a football game going on, people are like closed, like all the little restaurants and stuff around here are closed. It's really funny. <laughs> that is, I, I love telling people from in Washington that Friday Night Lights is real. <laughs> uh, it's real. It's real. Like I watched it and then we moved out here for no label and, and I started noticing it around town. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. But I mean, they got a good football team. so <laughs> That's true. Katie High School, that when I was here, I haven't checked in recently, but Katie High School was the one that did that. Yeah. Was killing it. Yeah, that's 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 still how it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned Old Town Katy, which is where we, you like where the brewery is located. Right. I guess to give everyone a really good image of this, in order to get to the brewery, you drive into an old rice silo. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's it's very rustic looking, um, very old, and but it's it's kind of the charm of what you know what the brewery is all about and. There's several silos out here, so we're one of I don't I would say about three or four, and we actually uh, used to be in one of the other ones down the street, which is where a distillery is now moved in. Oh, what distillery? Uh, it's called MKT Distillery, which we are right along. Of course, there's got to be a railroad track because you know, <laughs> um, and so the, this line back here is the MKT line, and so back in the day it used to be you know, obviously more busy now. It's sometimes it just stops in front of the brewery and people wait. And I say, you need to, you need to drive around cause you're going to be there all day. Cause it'll just sit there. Yeah. I mean, the, the silos are really cool. We, um, we used to go up there and watch fireworks and things like that. Some of it needs to be completely redone cause you know, it's pretty old, but we have a ton of like photography groups and stuff that come out here that like to take pictures of it. So yeah. it's really cool. You can sort of see from the outside, there's kind of like well, last I checked, there isn't there like just furniture sort of tumbling out the top? Like I can't yeah. really see what's yeah, up there. Yeah. Never been we up have there. like a couple of owls that like circle around and ghost stories and stuff everybody says, but I like it. It makes for good pictures too. Yeah. No label is called No Label. Mm-hmm. What I mean, obviously the idea, I, I think I've heard the story behind the name, yeah. which is sort of like, oh, well, how the hell do we come up with a name for our brewery? Well, I don't want to, I don't know, No yeah. Label. Like, yeah. you know, that's kind of how that kind of went. Yeah. Um, is there more of a story behind that? Not really. I mean, my husband used to peel labels off of bottles. And so, you know, he was like, oh, there's a No Label in here. That'd be pretty cool. And, um, but he, we, we kind of all liked the idea of a brewery that had, several types of beers brought in several types you know all kinds of people we were we were not trying to set ourselves as an ipa brewery or as you know a certain type of brewery we want we we, we really do get kind of a, a range of different groups of people and we we love that about katie that's kind of where that started I and mean, it was kind of like a there's a beer for everybody so no label it was and 
we ran with it and we know our last name is Royo. So when people said our, would try to read the last name, they would just change it. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, we can't do our last name, you know? So we went with no label and it just stuck and we decided, we decided to sign the papers. We couldn't think of anything better. So there it is. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, that's a good, a, as a good a story as any for, you know, any brewery. Yeah. Um, out here in Katy, there's no other breweries, right? You got to go kind of south to what, like Richmond or whatever to find the closest one. Yeah, you know, you've got um, you've got Texas Leaguer, um, that's kind of yeah, sort of Richmond area, and you've got Brahmin. They also do wine, and then there is actually a friends of ours is opening up a, a, a brew pub. I think it's gonna be a smaller smaller brew pub, but it's gonna be like with board games and stuff. Oh, fun! So it's pretty cool. Um, I know it's called Wood for Sheep. Um, they've been working on it for a while now. And uh, so they, I, I ran into actually one of the owners. It's a couple. And um, I think they're, they're close. So it's, it's down, it's going to be down here s- somewhere. Okay. So, and we're actually excited about that because I think just having the distillery here, we all kind of, it brings people in and they kind of have other places to visit when they're coming in. So yeah. it, it does help. That's kind of the trick is when you come out to visit No Label, I have in the past kind of gotten here, gotten a little stumble drunk, and you know, since it's Katy, you can't get anywhere without driving. Yeah. Um, or since it's Houston, this is more of a Houston problem. Katy itself is a enough, small enough town that you can kind of wander around. So that's the trick is you got to walk across the railroad tracks and you can stumble just a quarter mile, half a mile away to the Mexican food restaurant over there. Yeah. I think there's even a... Wing stop. You go. If yeah. you actually, you actually can't get to the mall with a little bit of a walk, right. but it's always too far for anyone who is used to Texas driving. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the brew pub called Wood for Sheep, which I can't help but guess is a Seller's Catan reference. I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm guessing. <laughs> That's so fun. I've definitely played Seller's Catan at this brewery before. Really? So I can imagine that is like, that's the, yeah, that's the thing. You're, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're super nice people. And, um, and I know that they've just been kind of waiting on, you know, getting permits and stuff like that. So, so you're talking about making a brewery that's sort of, you know, the no label brewery. It's a beer for everyone. But eight years ago, what was the scene like? Like I can't like these days. You maybe do pick a niche and you choose if you want to be a Belgian brewery or an IPA brewery or whatever. Right. But back then, who are you? Com- like who else were you looking at? Like there's got to be there was a couple of breweries in Austin. There was St. Arnold's here. Yeah. You know, who else was even so here? So in. Houston being so big, um, we were the third brewery in the greater Houston area, which is crazy to me. Um, looking back on it, we got into the game at a really, really good time because, um, it was St. Arnold and we actually asked Brock, uh, who owns St. Arnold quite a bit of questions at the beginning and become a friend of ours. And then Southern star, um, up there, that's Dave. And we love those guys. So they were number two. And then we opened, um, we sold our first keg in 2010. After we opened, then um, I believe it was like Buffalo Bayou and Carbach, and, and they all started opening. But so we were the third brewery, and now I believe there's 77 Good breweries. Good I mean, grief. it's just insane. So, uh, you know, we grew really fast the first couple of years. Um, I think year two or three was like almost too fast. Um, but yeah, there was no competition. I mean, I mean, there wasn't, people were looking for something on this side of town and, um, and you know, people that bought St. Arnold bought our beer and people bought Southern Star, you know, we all kind of shared in that. Um, we were really at that point and, and still today we're looking at just coming out with a good portfolio that had all styles of beers. Uh, and I, I say that, but I mean, 
we picked styles that we really enjoyed. Um, and my husband's never been a real big IPA fan. Um, I grew to like IPAs and I, I prefer IPAs now, but, um, he likes more of the stouts and, you know, some of the, the bourbon aged stuff and, um, a good Kolsch and a good blonde and stuff like that. And I kind of went more Hefe's and, you know, different things. So we all kind of threw in our two cents of what we thought we would bring to the table. He had already been homebrewing and, uh, doing our Ridgeback Amber and our Hefeweiz and our Hefe. And so we obviously want to bring those to the table when we open. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, El Jefe is our flagship beer now. It's our moneymaker, whether we want it to or not. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the, I remember drinking Ridgeback back yeah. in the day. I, uh, that one, yeah, that one was around here, you know, seven years ago when I was drinking and it was, that was, I said y'all were my first favorite brewery. That was probably my very first favorite beer. Yeah. There were a couple like, there were a couple ones before that, but mm-hmm. only before the craft, my craft beer yeah. renaissance, you know what yeah. I mean? So I know, you know, you know, Newcastle Brown was fine, yeah. but really it was Ridgeback Amber. That was like the game changer. For yeah. Me. So that's cool. awesome. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. This is all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So what, what are some of the differences between chasing growth back in 2010 and chasing growth in 2018? Uh, well, the market has changed. I mean, um, back then, um, we had set ourselves up to be a microbrewery where we would, um, you know, the plan was to mass produce large amounts of beer and sell it out in the market. Um, we did that pretty well for many, many years. Um, coming up last year or earlier last year, we started realizing that the market was kind of shifting a bit and that brew pubs, you know, that was a, a, a good way to get in, you know, to selling beer to go from the brewery because we live in Texas. We would have had to have switched our, our license. So we did. Um, it limited the amount of beer that we could sell in the market to the grocery stores, but we weren't at that point yet. So it, like if we were St. Arnold trying to switch, obviously we couldn't do it because, you know, St. Arnold is huge, but, um, we, uh, we switched our license and it limited us to 10,000 barrels out in the market to sell. And then, um, we can now pick up guest taps. So we have guest taps on tap. We always bring in some of our friends that we like and just beers that we just noticed. I love B52. I don't know if you've visited them since you've been back, but you have to go to B52. It's like one of my favorite kind of beers. Um, and then, um, and then we had, we brought in wine. We were able to bring in wine and then the beer, the big thing was beer to go. So six packs, uh, crawlers and Mm. growlers. And so we bought a crawler machine too. Nice. So it, it, that's been really big for us. And so we have been able to, um, sell more beer from the, through the tap room. Um, not to say that we don't need to continue selling out in the market, but it's definitely helped us significantly. It's, it's fun that you'd mentioned the licensing stuff because mm-hmm. every state you go to has got different sort right. of rules for that. I was in, uh, Minneapolis and they were having, like, they've got like, there's a lot of new laws coming out yeah. that are, everything's changing over there. Seattle's had pretty chill brew pub laws since the beginning, which is, which is probably the reason we've sort of had a few more breweries like a little longer. Although I think Houston and Seattle are, are probably tied in total number of breweries now. If, if 70 or so is yeah. about right, you know, give or take 10, I think that's more or less, uh, more We're or definitely less caught up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is great. Cause that really happened in the last three years. Right. Like, yeah. 
anyway, the, the licensing stuff is kind of funny. So you mentioned that you have this now, a, a 10,000 barrel cap for, right. for selling like to retail outlets or whatever. Right. But you're nowhere near that. So how many barrels are you making now? You know, it's sh it shifted because the, the amount of beer that we've been selling here the, out in the market, um, you know, I'd have to ask Logan where we're at. But I mean, I think we were more than 5,000 barrels. Mm -hmm. So, which is, which is good because again, you don't have to worry about the markup mm -hmm. of the distributor and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's because the market has changed and because of it's been great, all these breweries have opened at the same time, there's also a bubble that happens. Mm -hmm. And so we noticed that and we are probably at that bubble right now. And you have to, the grocery stores only have so much space mm -hmm. in their shelf and they only have, they are inundated with all these new items. It's not only Houston, but then you've got Austin and all, San Antonio has been cranking them out just oh, the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah. They like all, my sister, they moved from Austin to San Antonio. And, um, when I visited her a while ago, there wasn't hardly any breweries and they've been just popping up everywhere and they're, they're, you know, they're starting to join the, you know, the movement too. And then in Dallas as well. So you've got all these breweries trying to fight for space on the shelves and it's hard. And, you know, being a brewery, they're going to cut you if, you know, your numbers aren't exactly what they want or if they just want to try something new. So we, we did, we lost a little bit of space here and there in certain stores. I, I think we stayed um, strong in our area of town, but I think there was obviously more competition inside Houston um, in different parts of Houston, because you've got a lot of breweries that have opened up in Houston, mm -hmm. actually in, you know, yeah, closer to Houston. So we're not really Houston. That's yeah. That's going to be, that's like, we're definitely reaching that sort of boiling point. Like even up. Yeah. I, I'm going to keep on saying even up in Seattle, but yeah. I think all of America is sort of is at that boiling point. Right. right? You got to be way out in the middle of nowhere to not be feeling that. Right. Um, yeah, but like competing for shelf space is just absolutely, it's a, just a non-starter for a lot of breweries. And uh, I think going forward, any new breweries that open are going to be only brew pubs. There's just no way to Right, and that's that. what we've noticed. A lot of these breweries that are now popping up, it's smart for them to open up as a brew pub. Um, if we were opening up right now, 100%, we would open up as, as a brew pub because you can't, you, you can't compete on solely doing, you know, beer out there. Yeah. It's just... I, Margin's too thin. You just can't put out the volume. There's just exactly, no way. exactly. Yeah. It's just, it would be hard to do. When I was drinking here back in the day, they, this, and this was common at this, they did this at St. Arnold's too. And I think they did this at a few other breweries around our region. You, in order to drink at the brewery, you didn't buy beers. You didn't go in and pay $5 for a pint. Right. You paid $5 for a tour. Right. And got free drinks. The beer drinks. was included. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can you talk about that a little bit? I think that's so funny. Yeah, well, because of the way it was, it was situated back then, that's how we did it. So people would come in and they'd have, we, I think we were charging $5 and then we went up to like 10. Um, they, they got, you got beer tokens and the beer was included with the tour. Um, they wouldn't at that time let us sell beer like on our premise. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing when we switched our license that changed or maybe, maybe it was some of the laws that changed at the same time. I can't remember, but, um, either way now we, we sell by the pint. So people come in, we have four five and $6 beers. We sell our guest taps, you know, same type of pricing and then wine is something. Mm -hmm. So, and we don't charge admission anymore cause we don't have to. Um, then we do tours on Saturdays too, and it's okay. just a free tour. Yeah. But yeah, well, we had to we had to get around that. And and on top of that, one of the other laws that they had was that you couldn't um, tell where your beer was being sold. 
And that was that was another thing that they finally oh. decided to decide to go go away with. So we couldn't promote that beer was somewhere on tap. That's so funny. Yeah. God, I what? was like, how do I tell them about an event that's like you? It was it was really a hard like yeah. frustrating time. That's a, that's a funny. I didn't know about that yeah. one. So they so you weren't allowed to share where it was. So yeah, what what was the way around that? You had to say like, well, listen, here's our distributor. You can go ask them. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Or <laughs> or you would have to hope like if you were doing it in a pint night or something like that, you would have to hope that they promoted good enough mm. inside the the the, the place. Uh, so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's too funny. Yeah. That's the weirdest yeah. thing. And yeah. And I remember talking to somebody. And I was telling them like where we, cause they, we get that question all the time. It's like, Oh, where can I buy your beer? And I would stop. Cause I was always like, we're not like at this, at that point we were not legally supposed to tell them where yeah. we were. And I'm like, I can't tell them where to find our beer. That's yeah. crazy. So could you say things that are generic? Like, well, probably at beer stores. Yeah. Yeah. I would kind of yeah. <laughs> like you've heard of total wine and specs, right? Like maybe those. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and back then uh, total wine hadn't, I didn't really come in mm. um, into this area. So they just recently came in the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, at that point, I think it was just, we were mainly having just a point of like the Specs and HEB and Kroger mm -hmm. and then Randall's. Yeah. So here and there. HEB has like, as a, as a Texan, I'm a diehard HEB, HEB fan. That is, that's, it's, it's like our, it's like Kroger or it's, it's like Fred Meyer. It's like Safeway or whatever. It's just yeah. a grocery store, but HEB is just so much more. Yeah. I hate it. It's impossible to try to describe to people because everyone thinks it's just my Texas big head running around. But like it, it sort of is a, they have a huge beer selection, like an insane huge. beer selection. Well, and the good thing about HEB that we have found um, is that they support local. They really do. So a lot of the stuff that you find in there is all very local product and, and they also they they just always have just yeah they have a huge beer selection there's there's one near my parents that live in Fulcher another little town close to Katie um but I mean the beer selection over there is insane like I and now that we've switched over to cans um you know we're bright and more vibrant in the cans another reason why we switched over besides it just being better for the beer but I mean, you've got all these crazy cans just all lined up. It's really pretty in some of these stores. So it's, it's cool to see. So you guys did a recent switch from bottling to canning. We did very recently, um, earlier this year, actually, we had a lot of changes earlier this year. We, um, we have been in bottles for a long time. My husband fought it, um, because he really liked the bottle. He liked the old school just, but you know, change. There's always, you know, something you need to look at and um, everybody was moving to cans and it was becoming kind of a, a you know, a more, let's say, hip way to, to, to buy beer. There was a lot more also you can do with the label and it's obviously better for the beer as well, you know, for the light. Um, and so we, we bought a canning line out from Colorado and um, a, a pretty cool one too. Um, and then we redid all of our labels and came out with that earlier this year. So um, along with that, we also switched distributors. So we went from favorite brands to Silver Eagle. So um, there was kind of, and everybody got super confused and freaked out thinking we like, like sold like Carbach and had nothing to do with that. We made no money out of the deal. It was literally a, our distributor that was, had us sold the rights to us, to another distributor. Mm. And it was just really a switch over, so. Yeah. Which um, was has been good for us. I mean, uh, we were happy 
to be with favorite brands, but, um, you know, Silver Eagle is able to get us into some places that we couldn't get into before some stadiums and, Ooh. um, we're U of H alumni. They've been able to make us more prominent over there. So that's pretty cool. Nice. What other beers does, uh, does your new distributor hold? They have Eureka Heights. Uh, I don't know if you visited them. You've got I, to I've visit been there. Them. I've been there one time. Yeah. Back in the, a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Okay. And Not, then maybe last year even. Yeah. Um, we're actually going there, uh, soon for a, company party we're going to take a texas beer bus tour and we're going to, that's one of the stops oh, but fun. um they've got saint arnold and they've got carbach they've got us and they've got i want to say they have like sierra nevada like uh, yeah yeah you know some other like bigger names but yeah some big ones they do they do um and and i and they also have spindle tap which is mm. up north okay so, i'll be going to spindle tap in a couple of days yeah that's a cool place too so, um, yeah, they're, you know, they know what they're doing and, you know, they've kind of, obviously they have a lot of breweries that are kind of in different areas of town and, um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been good for us. We've been able to get into places that we couldn't necessarily get into. What's the distributing sort of environment like here? Like in, in Seattle, you're allowed to self-distribute a little bit, you mm -hmm. know, um, most people, a lot, of, a lot of the smaller breweries, all the smaller breweries do it because it's right. too expensive to actually distribute, to right. get a proper distributor. Right. Um, in Minneapolis, there was a cap you could go, like you could brew up to a certain cap and after that you had to have a distributor. Um, and everywhere you go, there's a sort of a contentious relationship between distributors right. and breweries. Is it kind of like that down here? You know, um, I don't think so. I mean, we have a pretty open relationship with our, with, with Silver Eagle. We meet with them. We talk, you know, any issues we have. Um, they usually work with us, you know, if we need to, you know, say there's a product not moving, we need to switch it or something like that. I mean, usually it's just about sitting down and talking, but, um, it's been, you know, it, 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 it definitely, it's different. We, we hit a point at, I can't remember what year that was. It was fairly early on that we knew we needed to go with the distributor because in our heads, we didn't start a brewery to open a dis distribution company. We wanted to just make beer. And, um, and so I remember when we were, I was calling on accounts and Brian would be, he was still working his full-time job at the time. They would be brewing early in the morning. And then in the afternoon after work, he would go and deliver the kegs with John, our first employee. And it was kind of crazy. And you know, we, we got to a point where we want to go to the distributor and it got us into more, more places. Um, could we have stayed as self-distributing? Yes, we could have, but we would have had to kind of create a whole new chain, a whole you know, a whole new of yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, that's not what we wanted to do. We didn't want the frustrations of what you have to deal with when you a distributor. Yeah. <laughs> I worked in, um, I worked for a food distribution company, um, before I didn't, wasn't, on the ground, but you know, it's, it's a whole different animal. And it, again, it, we want to just make beer and make people happy and <laughs> yeah. do this side of it. So <laughs> right on, there was a stat that I was thinking of earlier that I wanted to bring up and I missed my opportunity, but, uh, I, uh, you were talking about how you, you brew roughly you know, 5,000 barrels. That was your sort of ballpark guess. Then St. Arnold's the other brewery, the one of the other ones that beat you, uh, to, to being a, to existing, mm -hmm. uh, they brew roughly ten times that. They right. brew like um, they brew maybe sixty or seventy barrels. Right. At least that was in twenty seventeen, I think. 
and then they're the second biggest brewery in the in Texas. Right. I think fifth biggest brewery in the whole region, if you sort of count like Texas and a bunch of surrounding right. uh, states. And then the only brewery in Texas bigger than them is Shiner. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is, of course, counting only independent breweries. Right. Um, and Shiner brews, again, 10 times more than them. Yep. Which I think is like, it's, it's kind of funny. Imagine like there's between first and second, yeah. there's a whole order of magnitude oh, in yeah. size. And then between you and, and those guys is a whole other order of magnitude. It's kind of crazy how that is, how that can happen. In right. Beer, you know? Well, and um, I don't know if you've been over there lately, uh, but since you've kind Not of gone, you should visit it because um, it, it's impressive. I mean, I mean, we've, we've been going to St. Arnold. I mean, that was a big reason why we wanted to open a brewery is we were over there all the time. And um, we just kind of loved what they had created, what Brock had created over there. But he's got, I mean, besides them just expanding the brew house altogether, I mean, it's insane, these sizes, these tanks. It's just like, uh, it just makes ours look like little babies. But they also opened a beer garden. And so they have this really pretty, um, you know, it's got lights and stuff, and there's a bar outside, and then you go inside, and it almost looks like a chapel. And it's they've got a local artists to uh, draw inside there and they each have a different theme and everything it's really cool so st arnold has continued to grow but i think they knew that they needed to do something else and bring people in to to come in and drink there and not just out there and i think that's a big reason why that beer garden happened and it, and, it, and it's been working it's it's a beautiful place you can play cornhole and i don't know if y'all oh yeah, we play cornhole is, no, is it called something different that, well you know what i i have always called it cornhole but i have friends up there who call it like bags or something like so that i had i saw somebody that said like is it called bags or cornhole this will tell you where you like where you oh yeah whatever. yeah so anyway but um but yeah i mean it's yeah, they're they're a lot bigger than we are, and Car and Carbach too. And then you've got from there, I think it's like Southern Star up in Conroe, and then all the rest of us are all kind of close, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I think like when, if you're going to be doing a brew pub, I think you're you're going to be kind of lowering where you're how much you're brewing because it's it's not as much mass produced trying to go out the door versus mm-hmm. trying to sell through through your doors. We were. I want to say, what year was it? We were actually close to 8,000 and we've kind of, so when I say five, we might be closer to six, but we've kind of lowered it a little bit. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way we've kind Mm -hmm. of switched everything Mm -hmm. around. So you're brewing less beer, but you're no less prosperous of a brewery. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, again, you don't have to worry about the middleman when you're Mm -hmm. selling from the brewery. I've noticed that your beer garden is, or your your beer garden, your sort of beer yard you have here, yeah, uh, has definitely grown uh, since I was here last. I think now it's extended all the way down to the trail, all the way down to the train tracks. Yeah, I see you've got like you've got a whole bunch of like kitty playgrounds and stuff like that. Yeah, I can imagine. I imagine that being like that can that's a pretty good driving force, like for like having letting kids in here just run wild in the place while yeah. parents are over here having beer. Well, I mean, again, so we live in Katy, and Katy is a very family area um it's it's again it's i mean it's known for their schools they have really really good schools and so there's a lot of people with kids here and you know we have two kids and when we started having kids we noticed our kids were up here a lot you know because we were always up here too but you know and and the idea is not for people to come out and like get wasted and stuff with their kids but i mean you know i don't think there's anything wrong with it's just the same as you go into a restaurant 
and having a beer at dinner with your kids, yeah. you know, there. So, I mean, the idea is for there to be somewhere comfortable where people can come and hang out. We do live music, um, sometimes Friday nights, all every day, Saturdays, and um, sometimes we bring in Thursdays. We always have food trucks. We have a really good relationship with all the food trucks. And um, we kind of just rotate in different food trucks. And, I mean, we just kind of... We've slowly kind of created a, a little bit of an atmosphere, and um, we like it. And you know, so. <laughs> what kind of food trucks do you get out here? All kinds. Um, we have actually have a vegan food truck that has a really big following, um, and they like to come out um, on Mondays when we do our run club. And then we have a ton of barbecue um, uh, food trucks. Um, we've got um, some like sliders and you know latin cuisine i mean all, i mean all kinds of stuff anything that you can think of we um we try to change it up a little bit but you know if i need somebody i have a list and i just say hey i'm looking for somebody you know i had to do that for today because we had a cancellation so right yeah yeah food trucks can be a real pain i hear uh. <laughs> <laughs> well and and that's why it's good um you know we've had we've had issues with some and I don't usually try to reach out to them, you know, after if they're, you know, mean or hostile or, you know, and, and I think the food truck business is, is getting harder. There's more competition. So, um, you know, I think they're just looking for somewhere to go make some money just like we all are, but no, there's just more, some that we would like to work with more than others. <laughs> I like that the first food truck you mentioned was the vegan food truck. Yes. I'm yeah. over here trying to paint this picture of Texas to all my Seattle listeners who are like, yeah, where's the barbecue and pickup trucks? You did mention barbecue second, but you mentioned <laughs> vegan first. So yes. just in case all you Seattleites who don't know anything about Texas, they got vegan food trucks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're, I mean, the food, the food in Houston is, you know. Oh yeah. yeah it's, it's a thousand it's times a, better than Seattle. Amazing. I'm going to. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just we're known for rest, not necessarily here in Katy, but in Houston. I mean, you can't, you know, throw a rock without hitting an amazing restaurant. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I've noticed definitely a change of instead of just doing the burgers and the normal stuff, we've definitely noticed a more creative uh, style food trucks coming out. One of our um, taproom guys actually is vegan now. And so he was bugging me. He's like, you've got to call them. They have a following and they do, they have a following. People come out and like are looking for where they're going to be at. There's probably more space for vegan food trucks actually, because you're not the first brew that mentioned the following of a vegan food yeah, truck. <laughs> yeah. And I think that there, there's some space for that. I don't necessarily need to align beer and vegan food, but there's lots of, uh, yeah. no, there, there's space for that thing. I actually was at a, uh, um, uh, a beer and or a, it was a bike festival um, where I, I ran the beer garden for the place and the only food trucks there were these vegan ones because the yeah. organizers were vegan yeah and uh, and there were lots of people out there for, yeah. the, for you know for the vegan food trucks yeah. and for the vegan like just for the you know, for, who needs a vegan bike race but that's sort of what it was <laughs> meanwhile I had my secret pocket pepperoni and I'm just happy as can be um, that's funny but uh, they uh, anyway yeah so yeah, that's cool yeah um Let's see. So we've mentioned now Carbock a couple of times. That's uh -huh. something I really want to get into. Okay. Um, in Seattle, we have a similar brewery. Elysian was yep. the one of the biggest, most popular breweries everyone loved, and they got bought out by Budweiser, and everyone's salty about it. Right. Um, and when I say everybody, it's always just like the craft beer and the independent beer obsessed people right. who, who are mad, and whereas the majority of people don't care. Right. Um, well, yeah, what are your thoughts about Carbock? Maybe what's the, do you know the story of Carbock or anything about that? You can give I, some background. I do, and I've met most of them. Um, you know, we've met Eric Warner. I don't know if you've met any of them, but um, so they're salespeople and um, just 
through being out, out in the market, you kind of start, you know, the Texas Guild, we all kind of just bump into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think, try to be... Um, try to be politically correct. Yeah, well, I mean, so, I mean, I, I, I can understand why people are upset about it. I do. But I also don't necessarily blame them. Like, I can't honestly, a lot of people can't honestly say if somebody was offered you a certain amount of yeah. money and there's, this, there's that certain number that you wouldn't say, oh, awesome. I don't have to work anymore. I don't, I mean, you could still go to the brewery and work. I just, I'm not necessarily upset that they did it. Um, I think, you know, kudos to them. I mean, they, they built this huge place and, and sold it off. So I, I kind of felt actually bad for some of their employees because people were kind of dogging them on, you know, social media and stuff. And, you know, a lot of it had nothing to do with them. They were just still working. You know what I mean? And so I kind of felt bad for them. They were getting kind of reamed on social media. But that's I'm true. I'm sure people will say something about me saying that about them taking up for car back. Um, I'm just saying, like, you know, give them a break. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I just think people like to say that they wouldn't, but I think that they would. Yeah. I think you just, you got to put yourselves in other people's shoes. And, oh, yeah. So. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely true. Like, yeah. you can't really be, you, yeah, you, you can't bust other people for, wanting money i mean yeah like, you know like so like it's it's fun brewing beer and you open a brewery to brew beer and sell it and but, have fun but, but yeah but you also, also about, need to make money yeah if you don't make money then you shouldn't be doing it you know you can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah you can't do it anymore so i mean i don't know and i and i think they did it at a good time too and i think yeah. they might have known something that, i mean i'm just saying i think yeah i don't know just just my two cents i know it's probably not the the popular um um, opinion, but um, you know, me and my husband were like, "Good job." <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. Someone say that that's the name of the game. I mean, I I, I agree with what you said. Yeah. I, you know, the, the, my general sentiment is that I don't like it. Yeah. No, I, and uh, I understand that. Yeah. But, um, but and I will say, so they, so we have a guild, and we meet once a month, and we have different things, and um, you know, all the breweries host. I think we hosted. Um, October maybe um, the, you know all the breweries get together well I think after all this happened Carbox stopped coming mm. because I think they felt like okay we, you guys don't maybe consider us part of the you know yeah. group anymore and so they just kind of I just stopped seeing them so yeah you know. I mean well the thing is I mean that, that one makes sense but when you throw your lot in with Budweiser you don't get to be part of the guild anymore because you do. You now suddenly have interests that aren't aligned anymore. Right. Whereas you know you guys are all competitive. You want to all be in the same markets, and you're trying to you know you're, you you work you're working as a team to sort of build the brewery world. But and so you're competitive in sort of the sense that you want more of the shelf right. space. You want to take what you can. Um, Carbac wants that same thing. But as soon as they throw in with Budweiser, they have this new power, mm. and they don't—they don't want to have. They don't need to associate with the other brewers to build a community because Budweiser can come in and sort of just Budweiser does what Budweiser wants, right? And um, and so like they kind of—it's—it's you guys against Budweiser. So right. if, if Carbach were to keep coming to the meetings, it's like they. I'm not sure if they d- noticed they weren't welcome or right. if somebody had to say like, hey, whoa, like, what are you doing here? Yeah, like, I think they kind of just stopped coming. I don't think there was any big, hopefully there was no big thing that I missed. I didn't, <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no, I totally understand everybody's point of view on it. And um, it, 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 at first it was a shocker. And then, uh, and then me and my husband were like, 
it was almost like I think he was kind of expecting it to happen. Yeah. You know? So. Do you guys put the little um, independent beer upside do. down guy on your beers? We do. We do. Yeah. That is that is very important because we, we do want people to understand, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, we have been a very grassroots brewery from the beginning. I mean, we have not come in with large amounts of money. Um, so the, and on that side of it, there is a lot more um, pride in the way that we're doing it, I guess, because, you know, I, I would say we're more scrappy than <laughs> just a different way of doing it. But, um, you know, I mean, starting a brewery, like if you really want to get big, I mean, equipment and everything is just so expensive. So you've got to, you know. Was it show me the money? Like, it's just, you've got to be able to continue to pour in more money. Mm-hmm. So. What are your sort of steps moving forward? So we've sort of, we've talked about, you know, the market and the bubble and how we're, how, what's sort of happening here. Are you guys planning on sort of just coasting, staying where you're at and trying to stay the same size? You know, you said you're working on a tap room. Um, you know, right now, yeah, staying where we're at is, is probably what we'd like to do. I mean, not to say if we grow more in the market, we wouldn't be happy about it. We'd love to be able to hire more salespeople out in the market. I, I would love to be able to do that. Um, I think our idea right now where we're at is to be a little bit more creative in the brew, brew house itself. So um, our team is, we've got Logan, our operations manager, and then we have um, Taylor, our head brewer, and Grant, um, one of our other brewers. And then we have our packaging team with Eric and John. And they... Um, They've been, you know, for a long time, they've been, okay, El Jefe. Okay, I got to do rich, you know. And we've gotten to the point where we want to be, they have been asking us. They want to be more creative. They want to be able to come up with some different styles. Um, Taylor's in love with the New England IPAs. Um, and just kind of do some one-offs and things like that and sell it out from the brewery itself. And so that's what our plans are uh, at this point is to, you know, get a little bit of buzz and people come out here and try stuff and hang out and, you know. You guys have a pretty big stack of barrels out there, if I remember correctly, right? We do, we do. Um, so we usually do Perpetual Peace and then we also did L to M as well. We, we, we age that. So usually Perpetual Peace, we actually haven't aged Perpetual Peace yet, but um, the last batch that came out was aged for quite a long time. Um, and uh, the barrels change, so it just depends on what we can get. I think we got Old Forester, and then we got, you know, Wild Turkey Reserve, and we just it just depends on what we can get at the time. But um, yeah, that's been a, a crowd favorite. Mm-hmm. So I think we're actually buying back some from Silver Eagle, so we could sell it in the tap room itself because it goes so quick here. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I've never heard of that happening before. That's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. What 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 are the what are the implications of that, or what what happens when you do that? Do they get mad at you, or do they sort of give it back? No, no. So I mean, and and that's the other thing about working with the distributor is so they sell us, they send us inventory each week, mm-hmm. and so we kind of look at it. And if there's something that they've got a lot of, and they think, okay, we we need to move in. There's something else coming. You guys are about to give us. We'll kind of work with them on like, okay, we'll take some of it. We can actually sell it here, like the what the hatch uh, beer that we did. It's a cool beer, but we probably made an an extra 200 cases more than we should have. Mm. So we'll probably bring it back and do like a fire sale on it or something. Mm. And that happens because you just, we had a deal, we had a a primo pick with HEB where we were in their magazine. Mm. Um, And, but then another brewery in San Antonio also was doing it and we didn't realize that. And so San Antonio has a ton of HEBs. And so that kind of 
took away from some of the sales, uh, you know, because there was okay. another brewery that came out with a hatch beer as well. Oh, uh, okay. So, you know, it's just, you got to kind of figure out what's, you know, so it'll be one of those where we look at the inventory and then they say, Hey, we're kind of high on this and you were about to pick up this. And we'll say, or we'll say, Hey, we really need this. Can we take it from y'all? And they'll say, absolutely. Hmm. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. I may have had y'all's hatch before. Yeah. I, I definitely would have grabbed it if I were here when it was out. So if it's been around for a couple of years, I usually try to make a visit to no label every year when I come home. So I, uh, um, I've probably had it and I remember it being pretty good. So yeah. Yeah. Good. It's really good. It's, um, I mean, it's very labor intensive. They, yeah. they roast all the hatch chilies and everything. It's, 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 I think Brian worked, I mean, Brian ended up doing it cause he just likes to grill. So he ended up doing most of it, but I think it took him three days to do all that. And then they brew it on top of that. So, um, I mean, it's a, it's a cool beer and it's really awesome for like pairing with burgers and, you know, barbecue and, um, and even using it in cooking itself. So, um, it's just, we also did the jalapeno and people freak out if we don't do jalapeno, but oh. <laughs> again, it's like, we didn't want to do both at the same time. Cause it's kind of like, they're going to come They're each going to compete with each other pretty hard. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's so, funny. Yeah. Um, one of the questions I usually ask at the beginning of the interview and I forgot this time was I didn't really get much of your background. I sort of got how we, how we started the brewery. Um, but how did you get into beer? What was the beginning of that? So really, um, Again, me and Brian, my husband, we were going to St. Arnold. We didn't have kids. We were just kind of working and let's go to St. Arnold every weekend. And um, he started homebrewing and um, out of our garage and I'd help him, you know, be helping him bottle it. And, you know, we, that's how what we spent our weekends, you know, besides working on our house, because what else do you do before kids? And um, so we were doing that. And I just, in the process, I think we both kind of, really fell in love with the whole idea of craft beer and, you know, they're not being that much out here. Um, when I started out though, so I had, a I worked for a food distribution company, but I had, you know, I graduated at U of H, um, at hotel and restaurant management. And so it's, um, and then I ended up going towards the food distribution side and, did a lot of like marketing and things like that. So I had a lot of the that's got, that's sales a good and marketing. Yeah. That's a pretty background. good background. And, and, and he was more the hands on, he wanted to be making things. So he's, mm-hmm. you know, that hence him being the brewer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of, that's, I mean, that's how we got started. When I started out, I, w- I would say, you know, it was very beginner when we, when he was homebrewing, I was like, I, I, I wouldn't like IPAs and, you know, I wanted something, fruity and, you know, hefe, you know, you know, a lot of things that people start out with. And as I grew, my palate changed and, you know, now it's like hoppier, the better. Like I just want, you know, I want it just to taste like pine and just, so, I mean, it's just, it's funny how your palate changes. I mean, I'll still drink a hefe, but it's, it's not usually my go-to beer anymore. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of as, as we got into it, my love grew for it and his, was already there and so nice yeah okay. yeah there are there are brewers who start with with less of a background than y'all had it was it's useful that you guys had like a good partnership to walk into that because you had all the you it sounds like you had the business background basically what you needed did either of you have any entrepreneurial um no background? no we didn't now we do oh yeah. goodness <laughs> well you can't <laughs> yeah unless you've really done that i mean it that's 
you know, I, anybody that I know that like starts a business, I'm always like, when I give them a hug, cause it is like such an up and down roller coaster of emotions and everybody, it's so funny cause everybody thinks that you're rich and that you, it's easy and all you do is hang out all day and they have no idea until they start a business because it's, you have more flexible of a schedule. Yes. Are you your own boss? Yes. But are you working 24 hours, seven days a week? Absolutely. You're never off ever. You wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, Oh crap, you know, writing stuff down. I mean, I just, it's, it's, it's funny how people that, I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it's funny to me, people I've met through the years that have never gone in, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I think they have a different perception of entrepreneurs and maybe the beer business in general, because people will come and say that they want to, we get people that want to work here all the time because I mean, I mean, it's like Homer Simpson, like who yeah. doesn't want to work at a, yeah. you know, at a brewery, but they'll come in and they'll volunteer with the guys out there and they last like one day because they think it's just standing around throwing a couple of hops in and you sip on a beer and you call it a day. Yeah. They do like 90% of it is cleaning. I yeah. mean, it is like, do you like cleaning? Then you will like being a brewer, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, it's hard work. Most of our guys have lost 20 pounds when they started. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of work and it's, um, you've got to love it because it's not, it's not a high paying position. A lot, and a lot of our guys have come from some really good jobs and they just wanted to do what they love to do, which I love and, um, and came and worked, worked for us. And some of the most intelligent people I've ever met, um, are brewers really. <laughs> it sort of takes like a nerdy obsession with like chemistry in order to yes, really get good at it. Very much so. Yes. A lot of science, um, a lot of being able to just figure things out, you know, it's being very, um, what would you advise for any new entrepreneurs, any new brewers? What, is there any secret sauce or anything you would maybe, maybe something you would do different or something you would tell them to do? Um, I mean, money obviously is number one. I mean, you've got to have a little bit of money to start. What's a good amount of capital to start a brewery? Oh with? gosh, I mean it's changed through the years. I mean when we started, we thought two hundred thousand dollars was like wow, you know, and now that can't get you, you know, you have like maybe a seven barrel system in a small little space for that. Um, for I, I mean, like if I was starting a brewery right now at this moment, I would need at least a million, at least, at least just a, a very standard uh, brewery. Equipment is very expensive. Our canning line, I mean, oh God. you're yeah. talking, I mean, you're talking four hundred, three hundred fifty thousand dollars. I mean, it's just, it's just a lot of money. Um, I would also just, you know, when we started, we didn't have kids, and so we were working every day. We put in a lot of time, um, and you know, as we had kids, we kind of adjusted because we think family is obviously important, and so. Yeah, I definitely work less now than I did before kids, but I, you know, I think it's important, you know, for our kids, for us to be around and to go to things in their school and things like that. I think that's important to us. Um, it, you know, I think it all depends on if you're going to have kids or, you know, how your life is set up. I mean, our kids, if I have to work, sometimes they're here too, which I mean, my son was here just a couple hours ago and I had to take him to my dad. So, um, just, you know, making time to take off because you're always on. Um, when me and my husband want to go out to dinner and we have like, it's like a date night and my parents have the kids. It's like, 
we're not talking about no label. Like, cause that's where you end up going to, you know, cause that's all, you know, we've been a couple for, you know, 14 years, but we've been doing this for 10. And so it's like, that's what you go back to. It's like, Oh yeah. And so I told the tap room and this and that. And you know, it's like, let's talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else. <laughs> You're not the first brewery I've talked to that did a, that had a no discussing their brewery at home yeah. rule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard because you don't even realize you're doing it. I mean, cause that's your life, right? I mean, that's what we eat, sleep and breathe is, is the brewery. Um, our kids, I mean, they come here. It's, it's, it's become like another house for us. So, um, but I do, I think it's important to just kind of take a break, um, go on vacation as an entrepreneur and entrepreneur in general is very important. Um, I, it's been a long ride with, you know, just, just ups and downs of owning a company. And we took a, a, a family trip to Panama. My husband's family is from Panama and we, there was no very, not very good reception there, which was actually a blessing. So I was stressed out because I'm like an emails person. So it's like, I have to respond to somebody within this many time and I have to have my inbox empty and I, you know, I have to have all my stuff done. I'm very like task, um, oriented and I put my away message on. I mean, we planned for this trip for months, but I was so relaxed by the end of that trip. I don't think I'd been that relaxed since we'd started the brewery and it was needed. You know, um, I need that trip again. <laughs> it was like two years ago. I was like, I could really use that trip again, but, um, no, I mean, it's important. You've got to stop and just relax and, you know, well, we have been chatting for a long time. Mm-hmm. We've filled up our hour. Okay. I guess I'll do a lightning round. Okay. What is your favorite beer you've ever had? Maybe not like your favorite, favorite beer, but perhaps the beer that turned you into the drinker you are today. Oh, that's a good question because there's been so many. Um, oh, man. Such a good question. Because it would have to be something from St. Arnold, just because we really looked up to them. Uh, I mean, I love so much that St. Arnold's come out with. Uh, Raspberry AF. I don't know if you've had that. It's so good. Um, oh, I don't think I have. Berliner Weiss. Um, mm. I lo- also like Sours, too, by the way. Um, oh, gosh. I'd have to think about this. Um, I know my husband's would be left-hand um, stout. Was No, wait, Duck Rabbit. Duck mm. Rabbit stout is, would be his. Um, I mean, something from St. Arnold, I guess, would have had to have, that I, I had been drinking. Maybe Alyssa, Alyssa, mm. the IPA. Because, um, I mean, you have to, like, when we started locally, there wasn't a lot to drink. I mean, we were trying stuff from Austin, and I like Austin stuff. I like Jester King's and some of their stuff that they're coming out with, but really there wasn't a whole lot for us to dig from. So yeah, I'd have to just say something from St. Arnold. Okay. Maybe Alyssa. I drank the, and I still drink the Santo, the black Kolsch. Yes. Yeah. And that's a that, good one. that was another one of my top favorites back in the day. Obviously you can't get that anywhere near yeah. Seattle. So I occasionally will get friends to bring it to me. Yeah. Same with the Ridgeback actually. I've, I've had a friend bring me a six pack of both of those. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see. So something from St. Arnold, that's a good enough answer. They yeah. got a lot of beers. Um, what is the favorite, your favorite beer that they, that you guys brew here? Um, right now, it would probably be either Squeeze and Twist, which is our session IPA, or we're coming out with a passion fruit Berliner Weiss. Ooh. And so that's going to be our next seasonal, it'll come like March. 
Oh, I'm really excited. It's always a way. Yeah, so well, actually, we might have it on tap because they did like a small run of it, mm -hmm. and so we might have it on tap. Maybe I, yeah, I'll go see if you can, <laughs> we can get you some. Oh my gosh, but, yes. um, but yeah, no, it, it's really good. And again, this is, um, our guys are just trying to think of some stuff that they want to do. Um, we also do a couple of New England IPAs that I really like too. Um, although I do like more of the like piney, the New England IPAs are, they're so different. I don't know, juicy, yeah. and, you know. Uh, style so but yeah i would say i would probably just say squeeze and twist because it's okay. one of our newer ipas and i really like it and okay it's it's a good 4.6 abv so it's not too crazy people want a session ipa but i like it <laughs> all right yeah yeah those new england ipas i always we always call them hazy ipas yeah, up in, up yeah. in seattle because we uh i don't know what that like um that like regional psyche is all about but i i don't like calling them new england ipas i like call them hazy because yeah. i like to pretend that New England didn't invent them. Yeah. <laughs> and that the West Coast is the, still a king of IPAs. And, uh, That's funny. Yeah. What are your three most inspirational breweries? And I'm guessing you'll probably throw St. Arnold's up there. but St. Arnold. Uh, Southern Star as well. Um, and then, you know, I would have to say B52 because I just really like, I mean, I would I would follow them on Facebook and just kind of, and, and Instagram and stuff and just kind of go out there and see what they're doing. But they're doing some really cool stuff. I'm just always impressed with what they're doing. I'm always bugging our tap room to order beers from them. They do a lot of sours and just a lot of different stuff. Um, just really unique, um, cool stuff. So, and they just hired somebody, a brewer from Whole Foods, and he just came over there. A Not brewer long. from Whole Foods? Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, so Whole Foods has the one in like post oak yeah. they have like an actual brew house inside of whole foods what? and so yeah <laughs> you didn't know that no. and so you can go shopping and then off to the side it's just like a restaurant and there's um you know they have it enclosed and um it's yeah it's i mean it's a it's a brew house it's a small brew house and they make their own beers there and they sell it in there and then they'll have other breweries. Oh, wow. coming. it's okay. really cool that's pretty funny yeah, yeah. no yeah, you'll never have to check that. it out huh. it's really cool <laughs> um, okay, so B-52s, um, Southern. Southern Star, no label. Or no, sorry, Southern Star and St. Arnold. Um, those are your three most inspirational breweries. Yeah. Um, I'm going to preface this question with okay. sometimes it sometimes it produces really good answers, but also some people are uncomfortable with it and don't like answering okay. this, answering it. I think it's pretty funny, but if you don't <laughs> think it's funny, you don't have to answer. Um, Mary Bang Kill, of those three breweries, which ones you marry, which ones you bang, and which ones you kill? Let's see. And I guess why? Yeah. I don't know if I would want to. We're talking about the beer in general, right? The beer, the breweries, the brewers, the people, whatever. Uh, however, I mean, you interpret that question. I mean, I would say Mary St. Arnold. That's just because I'm laughing because they always had the chapel. Have you ever been to the. I, I, Great American I, Beer Festival. They always bring the chapel oh, and they marry no. people. Like Lenny, <laughs> Lenny was saying Arnold actually marries people. So I'd say marry for that. Oh my God. I did not know that. Yeah. And I really hope I get my Great American Beer Fest tickets this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, for a bang, I would have to say B-52 just because, again, I'm like in love with the beers. Not necessarily like, you know, the people. I mean, not, not that I don't like the people. <laughs> that came out really bad. Because, um, I mean, I, I love all of them over there, but it's more of like a love for what they're doing. Yeah. So. And then I don't want to I don't want to shoot Southern Star, though. <laughs> but I mean, I guess I'd have to because I don't have anything else. 
It's okay, it's Southern Star. She still likes you. I should have thrown another brewery in there instead. <laughs> it's a fake one, yeah. Everyone. Yeah, fake If I told I you the question ahead of time. somebody else's. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you so much it's been a, a real blast yeah. it was a real treat to come back to my favorite first favorite brewery yeah. and chat with you um what do you say to grab a beer yeah sure sounds good all right all right thanks thank you so much jennifer it was a pleasure sitting down and hanging out with you today i We'll be bringing my friends and family back to No Label before I leave. Don't you worry about that. I've got to get a little more Ridgeback Amber and me before I go back to Seattle. This has been Washington Beer Talk. If you like what you heard, then you can go to cyclingcicerone.com for more episodes or find the other episodes on Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, share, and hit that like button if you feel the need. See y'all next week. Music by The Vivisectors.